You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 26. The episode is sponsored by The YOLO Life. The YOLO Life has one question for Carrie Shields. Is a hot dog a sandwich? The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, DerekAndSteve.com. They um, usually fall short in the Western Conference Finals. This, is definitely, one of those teams. this is definitely another one of those times where they don't win. Derek and Steve present... And no one wants to see the Penguins uh, win the cup. So Not a soul. Uh, sorry if you do want there. that and you're listening to the podcast, text us so we know not to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> I don't know how things like this change. Maybe I show up to work <laughs> in shorts, go to a few important meetings in shorts. Right. Get fired and then go to your next job <coughs> and no. do the same thing. Summer, we have it hard. We're sweaty guys. Yeah, it's true. Things, it's true. Things are sweaty, Derek. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> okay. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 26 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek. This is Steve. Steve, what it be like? What it be like? What it do? What it do? <laughs> good for you, Derek, switching it up. Yeah, pop culture. Um, It be like pretty good. Nice. Um, Yeah, life's pretty good. Um, Beautiful weather the past three oh, days. Oh, goodness, yeah. Um, we couldn't ask for anything better. I think it's supposed to rain the day of the podcast uh, because we make it rain. Yeah, right? of course. Because I mean, we yeah, make it rain. Yeah, it's, um, it's to expect it on Tuesdays. We have a great guest tonight. Uh, Carrie Shields, former BC basketball player, uh, graduated our year at BC. Um, should be a fun interview. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're about to get to Carrie Shields in just a minute. She's in the first quarter. Uh, beyond that, it's very much what you've become accustomed to during this season of Game of Thrones and the NBA final season. It's kind of the same thing every episode, but this is probably the last week of that uh, with the NBA coming to an end. So we have sports after Carrie Shields in the second quarter. Uh, then third quarter we'll do trivia for you, and fourth quarter we'll do that Game of Thrones episode on Sunday, which was off the charts. So, that was something. Uh, so without further ado, we'll go to the first quarter, and we have Kerry Shields joining us over the phone. All right, Kerry Shields, um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as many of our listeners don't know, she is a former guest on um, you heard it or on Sports Night with Stephen Nate. Uh, that was my radio show in college. Uh, we had a tiny little recording studio, um, and Kerry. Graciously came in, uh, put up with uh, put up with our antics for about thirty minutes or so. Um, it was a great guest, so it's great to have you back, Carrie. Uh, thanks for yeah, fans. thanks for having me. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think the first thing we'll ask, um, as many people know, you were a BC basketball uh, player um, during our time at BC, um, and so can you tell us a bit about your time as a BC athlete um, and a little bit about the women's basketball team that our listeners may not know a lot about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I played at BC from, gosh, 2009 to 2013 um, seasons and got to play in the ACC, so one of the best conferences in, in the country, which was obviously an unbelievable opportunity. Is Does the um, ACC, because ACC men's basketball is obviously one, if not the best conference, is it comparable in the women's conferences as well? Uh, yes, it is. I mean, usually we... We're playing probably, they're usually five or six teams in the top 25 gotcha. every right. year. So, I mean, it was great to be able to, to have the opportunity to play some of the best talent in the country and um, while also being able to get a great education at BC. So I really just got the best of both worlds for four years. Um, huh. Yeah, I, I, I loved my time there. I learned a lot and really met a lot of good people um, that I have stayed in touch with. I actually now do broadcasting for their games. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I go back, and it's been really fun just being able to get back into the old gym, and um, I, I really enjoy the broadcasting, too. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. So, yeah, and uh, they they had a pretty good season this year. They were right around 500, um, which – in the ACC, and I'm sure you guys know about all the changes with the teams with the men's yeah, side, right. um, you know, adding in Syracuse um, and Notre Dame and Louisville. So the tom- competition is just getting better and better within the conference. And so um, they had some great wins, a few upsets, and I know they're excited for next season. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so 
uh, like a lot of BC athletes we talk to and regular BC kids like ourselves, we always uh, like to keep up with BC and stay in touch with BC. So uh, in the sports world, obviously, uh, over the last few months, we've had a few uh, good stories come out of BC, fortunately, after the bad football season we saw. Um, So $200 million of funding going for facilities. And then also the baseball team had a nice run. They got some national attention. So kind of transitioning that to being more forward-looking, Carrie, what, what is your kind of outlook on the future of BC sports and your level of optimism for not just women's basketball, but all the programs? Yeah, um, I mean, like you said, it was, it was nice to be able to end the this season with the baseball team almost making it to Omaha, which was awesome. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a good way of kind of where our future is going, especially with the new facilities. It's only going to make our school more attractive to future student-athletes. And just being able to put more money within these programs, I think, will really benefit um, us in the future. And, you know, I think both the football and basketball got a lot of negative attention. But, mm-hmm. I mean, just following their season, they had some great games that just came up short. And But I think both teams are young, and they um, have a lot of potential with the future. So I think I'm – confident that you know we'll we'll turn it around especially with all the funding going but um yeah i'm excited to keep following our school all right there we go um and so you you touched on it a tiny bit you said you um you're kind of getting back into the broadcasting bit uh, for women's basketball at bc but uh, we also heard that you uh, did a victory scholar program um, in ireland after school so tell us a little bit about um what you've been up to since bc since 2013 um yeah, and we heard some, we heard some really cool things. Yeah, um, so right after I graduated, I moved to um, Northern Ireland, so um, Belfast, the city of Belfast, and I decided to do it because I was offered a position in the Victory um, Scholarship Program called Sport Changes Life, and they essentially bring over American student athletes and have them within the community, volunteering, um, and just helping, you know, kids through sports. And that's something, obviously, I'm passionate about sports, and I just think it really brings uh, people together. And so it was was a great opportunity for me to do that volunteering, but also get my master's and um, play basketball in in their professional league. So it was a great year and a half of my life. I didn't. I also didn't get the chance to go abroad when I was in college, so cool. I was just really excited to be able to have that abroad experience that I know a lot of my friends had. Um, so yeah, so that was awesome. I graduated last January, and then I am full time working um, for Andy Gallo Winery. Um, nice. I love. I'm, now, I love wine. I'm getting into wine. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Well, so now I um I just got moved um, positions, so I work under Martinetti in Boston. Um, so I'm working in all the bars and restaurants in Boston, and um, which is fun. It's, I'm in sales, so I get to talk to people all day, and, you know, obviously I'm talking about wine yeah. <laughs> and spirits, so it's kind of a, a fun industry to be in. Um, but it's a great company, and um, I really enjoyed it, and, it's you know brought me back to Boston, which has been great, and yeah, and then on the side, it's allowed me to pursue broadcasting as well, um, which is something I'm really passionate about, and hopefully, we'll be more involved in in the future. Awesome. Well, nice. ho- hopefully, this is this is a nice yeah, this is a resume builder. Broad- yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is always good, always yeah, good I'll practice. You guys down. <laughs> yeah. um, of course. I, I do have one question about how was the competition in Ireland in their Ireland Professional League, and what was the name of your team because I always see the European teams have pretty cool names yeah so um I get asked this question a lot um because Ireland basketball is not their biggest sport um like most of Europe um you know you have a lot of uh football you know soccer players rugby yep all those fun sports and then in Ireland actually netball is really popular for girls so netball um, I don't know if you ever heard of it but um it's similar. I would say it's a mix between volleyball and basketball. Is the only oh. way I could really describe it for you guys. Sounds but cool. You should look <laughs> look up some YouTube videos. But um, yeah. yeah. So there's not a whole lot of girls who um, grow up 
playing basketball or being able to like look up to people like we have so many here in the States. Um, but each team is allowed to have um, two Americans. So nice. um, <laughs> two, they bring two. over. Yeah. And that's actually with, with most of the European leagues. Um, you, some you can have two, some you can have three. Um, so every team had Americans, which is cool. I played against some girls who I played against in college. Cool. Um, cool. Which was fun. And yeah, so I would say it was, it was not like it was in college, but um I had some was able to play in some great games and then some really cool places and I um was also on the all Ireland team so I nice. got to compete for Ireland which was really cool <laughs> while awesome. I was over there. Um and so yeah, it was an awesome experience, especially with some really cool people and the my team name was the Rockets. The Rockets. So the nice. Belfast Rockets. All right. yeah. <laughs> the Belfast so, yeah, Rockets. We went, yeah, we went from being um well, BC Eagle to a, uh, yeah, Belfast Rocket. <laughs> Belfast Rocket. That's not yeah. bad. That's how you jar it up. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was uh, It was good. Navy blue and white uniforms. It was um, a lot different. Should we? we don't get, they also, the funding they get is nowhere near like we get at, right. at Boston College. Yeah. So, um, but it, it was good. It was awesome. I'm happy I did it. Will we be able to find a Carrie Shields Belfast Rockets jersey on, <laughs> on eBay? <laughs> Oh, I, I'm sure it's out there. No, no. <laughs> I'm good. I'm actually going to no, Google it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was a good time. I still have my jersey, but nice. Yeah, I think there was only one made. <laughs> that, All right, so keeping but. it with basketball, but moving away from BC a little bit, uh, we have to get your take on the NBA Finals that just concluded. Obviously one of the best series yeah. that we've seen in maybe in sports, you know, in our lifetimes as far as how captivating it was. We got to know who you're rooting for and what was yes. your overall take in the finals. Well, let me say it's been a very heartbreaking day for me <laughs> oh, as no. a Warriors fan. Oh no! Um, I've honestly I've been a Steph Curry fan since he was a freshman at Davidson. I just his shot has just always been unbelievable. So I've been like watching film on him since since then. So cool. I feel like I've been loyal to him till now. Right. Um, but I've I've loved watching their team. I love their coach, and so I've really just been pulling for them all year. And and you know it's tough to have the kind of season they did and and end it with a loss because you just hate to see that happen. But um, but I LeBron had probably arguably the best series of any player ever. Yeah. Um, right. I think I just saw a stat that I think he was leading both teams in points, steals, assists. And basically yeah. everything. Blocks. Every position's yeah. like yeah, everything. Every yeah. position's so like, category. All solid reason. So, um, so yeah. So I'm a LeBron fan. So I mean, I'm I'm happy for them, but I definitely it was a little bit heartbreaking for me. And in, in my uh, as I wore my Warriors hat last night uh, the game, but <laughs> oh no. But um, but but yeah. How about you guys? Uh, well, actually, we're split here on the radio show, Derek. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Carrie. So well, yeah. he, he's with he's. With I'm with you, you because I hate LeBron. Though, he hates because... LeBron with yeah. a passion. <laughs> I'm I'm more a Cavs fan because Derek hates LeBron with a passion. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes so great. it makes for yeah. better radio when we it disagree. Does. Yeah, it does. Um, hey, I'm sure it does. And also, it makes for better radio when I'm correct <laughs> in guessing that the Cavs would win. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people. It was a heartbreaking day for a lot of people. Yeah. But, but Cleveland it deserved was, um, it. That's a that's a long time. What is it? Fifty years 52 or so. Years, Fifty two yeah. years. Yeah. No sports championships. That's crazy. I know. That's how I. I actually saw a. Um, there was a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Panthers, um, Carolina Panthers, tweeted at the Golden State Warriors. Like, we know how you. We know how you feel. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll buy the first round. Nice. <laughs> um, you just, you just feel sorry for those teams. But, but yeah. no, I mean, they had a great season. You just hope that, you know, yeah. they can yeah, they'll be, back. be remembered for the kind of season they had. So, All right. On an unrelated sports question, um, we've asked a bunch of people this. We've had a raging debate <laughs> for the past 25 episodes. Um, our sponsor, Chris McLaughlin, wanted to ask us as well. Um, <laughs> Carrie Shields, is a hot dog a sandwich? I'm... I'm gonna say yes. What? <laughs> you know why? Because I was just in—I was just talking to my friend who loves hot dogs. Um, yeah. As we were in the car, 
and I think I'm I'm pulling you guys just to disagree with her. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, there you go. Say, yeah. Be the contrarian. But why? What? What has been the uh, overall consensus? The consensus is like everyone in the world knows it's not a sandwich, <laughs> but no yeah. one can tell. No one can tell you why it's not a sandwich. That uh, is, yeah. 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 It really, really makes you think. It does. It really <laughs> it's the question of our generation. And we're here to find the answer. <laughs> and we just can't. Yeah, we hey, just can't seem to find it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so. But yeah, I know. I'm sorry to disappoint you and go against everyone. <laughs> That's good. No. No, it's good. It keeps the debate alive. We, <laughs> yeah. you've, just yeah, extend, you've just extended us 20 episodes of talking about a hot dog being oh, a sandwich. Okay. So yeah. our fans are going to love it. Kept us in business. Perfect. All awesome. right. Well, Carrie Shields, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, best yeah, of luck of with your endeavors with BC and the broadcasting and everything else. Yeah. Keep us posted. Awesome. We're We're... Yeah. Kind of in the broadcasting business as well. So any any tips or tricks you can tell us or we can help out, let us know. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Of course. All right. See you, Carrie. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, have a good night. Bye. So Carrie Shields joining us over the phone and uh, something that our sponsor this episode, Chris McLaughlin, will be very happy about, YOLO Life. I don't know if he'll be happy about the answer to is a hot no, dog he a won't. sandwich. No, he will not be. Being yes, it's a sandwich. <laughs> he will not be um, happy about that, I don't think. But... Either way, um, excellent interview. Thank you again, Carrie. Um, yeah, best of luck with the broadcasting thing. Keep us posted. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know that. Um, so it's interesting career path and hopefully can work out for her. So, um, so that wraps up the first quarter with our interview and brings us to the second quarter, which is much of the same uh, type of topic, which is sports. And uh, for those of you who don't like our sports topics, I think we're only going to do one topic today. And if, there's kind of one If you don't like sports, get going. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, what are you doing here? Just kidding. Um, we like we like all our listeners, especially yeah. the ones who don't like sports. Especially that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so NBA Finals. Uh, there's a series going on, I guess. So someone told us we should talk about it. Um, yeah, some game going on. A couple good games. A um, few good players on the court. Uh, anyway, Game 7 uh, of maybe the best... NBA Finals we've seen. I so, say I say maybe because the games actually weren't that good well, that's up until we, Game 7. I actually had the conversation with a few of my coworkers today is that the games themselves were not it was that exciting. They weren't the too chip they the, weren't too chippy. There weren't like yeah. any crazy explosive performances. No buzzer beyond, beaters yeah, or no like, buzzer beaters. No game was within uh 10 points, I don't think or yeah. five, 5 points, 5 10 points. Yeah. And for for the cumulative uh, tightness of the series. Both teams had 610 points going into Game Seven. Never happened before ever that the teams had the same number of points. Yeah. For for that cumulative closeness, it was really not uh, the sum of its parts, and that all the games weren't that close. However, if you look at the series as a whole, and then you include oh, yeah. Game Seven, of course, possibly. And I think we talked about this. Well, en- entertainment value and everything else rolled into it. Exactly. Um, could have been maybe the most important game in NBA yeah, history. I think it was. I do. Uh, defending champs coming off the best season, the best season. That's in the NBA part. history. That's best the season part. of all time. Yeah. Better than the Bulls that everyone compares them to um, versus LeBron, a, a, a very polarizing character who the NBA has put a lot of time and effort yeah. into creating as, as a superstar yeah. in his hometown yeah. back as the anti-villain, yeah. I guess. I, like, I, want, I, want, I want people to try to... To make a relatable example, I want you to imagine that in 2007, when the Patriots went to the Super Bowl undefeated, that their opponent was somebody at the at the polarizing level of LeBron James, playing for a city that hadn't won a title in 52 years, going against the 18 and 0 Patriots. Yeah. I just imagine, try to envision that because that's as close to a comparison that you can get for what this this game seven was. I mean, this was the the Warriors having won 73 games with. A team sitting at home from the from the history books and the '96 Bulls that yeah. certainly were rooting against the Warriors, just like the you know the 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 Dolph, the undefeated Dolphins teams were rooting against the Patriots. It's, it's a it's a record that was standing to be broken. Uh, I guess not a record, but a claim, a, I, a claim to to greatness. That I was I read to be somewhere taken. I read somewhere, and it to that point, it's it was probably the most easily and most eloquent way to describe this series. Was that it? It happened the best way for a neutral fan could ever ask for. Yeah, like it's... a neutral fan is probably rooting for LeBron and the Cavs because they don't really have any skin in the game. Steph Curry won last year. Um, the, Cleveland is really, really desperate for a title. really yeah. desperate for yeah. any title, yeah. <laughs> um, and it and it played out to a game seven 
that ended with within what was it three points? Yeah, uh, four points. Four points. Yeah, the, w- the exception, um, the exception being with the uh, with if the games had been closer, it would have been a perfect series. I mean, I mean, yeah. f- for for a neutral fan, it would have been a perfect series if some of the games had been closer. I mean, entertainment value of games one and two was not great at all. The Warriors blew them out in game two, and in game one. It was their the bench. I mean, the bench players came on and basically won the game. Yeah. Like, your, like your superstars and the Warriors did not live up to the hype early no. in the series, or or later in the series for that matter. Uh, Draymond Green was phenomenal, phenomenal in Game Seven, but the other guys, Steph and Clay, were not their normal selves in Game Six. You know, really five, six, or seven, and that's why, uh, you know, from an em- entertainment value, the only thing that could have been more perfect was if the if the stars on Golden State side had live up lived up to the hype a little bit yeah. more. Uh, to make the games closer that they lost, um, or, or you know, even the games that they had won. Well, to get to the actual game itself, Game Seven, mm-hmm. um, and I'll read a stat. And most people have probably heard this stat by now, but just to touch on LeBron James's dominance, because it was very, it was quiet dominance, really. Like because game, game Seven, it was. It, it, game Six was not quiet. Game dominance. Six was yeah. not. But but in the grand scheme of things, because because the games weren't close, and you didn't see like. I mean, Game Six. You're right. Like LeBron James, what game was it, 27 was straight points I mean, or something yeah. like that. But LeBron James led both teams, all players, in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks in the NBA Finals. He's the first in Finals history to do so. Any, as you any can imagine, series, any series history, and no one will probably do it again. Like he basically yeah. led every single, I mean, positions category. No, I don't think anyone will do that again. Players like him don't come around. I, I mean, you don't get players like like LeBron James that who, who that assists. pull down easily eleven rebounds in a game and lead your team in assists in and assists. play point guard and, and, and rebounds. Like that's yeah. the crazy part. And yeah. I mean, blocks. He plays like a yeah. I, I mean, a point guard th- who that's plays the center. thing. Is like is like because you you have these combinations of stats that can work for guys with that physique. They don't all work. You don't get the assists when you have that physique. You don't get the steals when you have that physique. Yeah, you, like. Give me those stats and leave out the assists and the steals, and I'll tell steals. you like that's like I'll tell you that a guy who's six eight, two fifty, and athletic like him, I can expect him to lead in points, rebounds, and blocks, and you know those three steals? categories. Steals? How do you, you get add in steals? The and most assists. steals. That's like a very neat niche yeah. category. Yeah, where it, it's for nimble. It's for point guards. It's yeah. for nimble guys that pick your pocket. You know yeah. that's not that's not what he's doing, and so it, it speaks to his intelligence in the game too. It's. Yeah, it's game seven was a little bit of a quiet a quiet dominance. I think um, he had a few extremely loud plays. Um, oh, but yeah. I think, but but overall, it was not like game six was. Um, the game th- this game was close the entire time. I, like I oh, don't yeah. I don't that, remember either team pulling away by more than I think ten points. Yeah, at any I point. think ten was the tops. And like at one point, you it was kind of mid third, early fourth. You're like, this game's gonna be great. Like this yeah, game's gonna this go down the going wire. Buzzer beater. Like yeah. they're going up by five, down by five. Yeah. Like. No, it's not staying. Oh, Warriors up by two, Cavs. Yeah. It it was swinging back and forth. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. And uh, and one one other take that I mentioned this to you after the game, and maybe it was an, maybe it was an overreaction, but uh, classic Derek. I'm not sure if Steve Kerr is a good coach. I'm not. I'm not convinced that he's a good coach. Uh, so the Warriors went, I think, 36 and four without Kerr. And and I'm often critical of the way coaches manage the end of games, but I believe Kerr. Ended this game with two timeouts in his pocket. It was at least one timeout in his pocket. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure it was two. Well, I said to you, I was like, the Cavs are going to win this game. It was like the Cavs the, are playing the better. The Cavs are yeah. playing. They're fouling at the right times. They're playing smarter. They're calling timeouts. They're yeah. running plays. The Warriors, I think, kind of have gotten by with like Steph Curry. The war. It's almost like the team taking like bad shots and they go in rather than like a Spurs or a Cavs having to like. I mean, I guess. The Cavs can get by with like giving the ball to LeBron and letting him do his thing, but most teams, I, I know I mean, the Spurs because it's it's the most recognizable franchise for this. But like, you have to work for a final point. Like, you have to run a play. You have to save your timeouts. You have to make sure things work out in the end of know, the game. And it, they did not do that. And I think I think it's almost kind of telling in that because you just reminded me of this when you just said it. I think that this was a a break, a little bit of a break free from the from the le- give LeBron the ball and let him do his thing. See, I, that's yeah, that that's didn't strike everyone, me that's as what, what Cleveland expected. Yeah, and, and it didn't strike me as Cleveland doing that. I, I mean, you look at the big memorable plays that the Cavs made. They weren't 
LeBron, you know, ISO crossover pull up jumper. Was, it, was it was it was Kyrie like burying a three. It was LeBron like you know driving off that pass like like the dunk that it he was, went to the line and sealed the game was ball movement pass to the middle. You know, the Warriors and Cavs flipped the script on each other. Yes. I, I mean Steph Curry started playing LeBron James ball, and he and that's not what he does. I, I mean, we were watching that possession with like a minute left and Steph pulled up with like 20 on the shot clock and took a contested three. And we all said that was a terrible shot and they replayed it. And the announcers are, I remember the announcers are saying, don't tell me that's a bad shot because that's Steph Curry. And that's yeah. what he does. No, that's a bad and that's shot. what, that was what, that was the the nail in their coffin was that mindset that this, yeah. that this works all the time. And there's no, there's no fallback plan. There's no nothing. So at the end of the game, LeBron gave um, an interview with Doris Burke saying, I've changed, like I came into this series, specifically this game, and changed my blueprint. I needed to to change things, and like that, you kind of brush past that because after you lose games, that's like the classic answer, like oh, we'll we'll get better, we'll adjust, blah blah blah. But they really, he really did. He became the baseline for the Cavs and let Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving stand out. Um, I mean, obviously he stands out in the plays he makes, and but he just does everything right, smart. He had a few turnovers at the beginning of the game, but he he yeah. cleaned it up and like he became like the centerpiece and didn't do too much. Right. And he let Kyrie Irving hit the crazy shots and yeah. Kevin Love dive right. on the floor for Be- because, balls and because get because that, because that's what their strengths are. And and LeBron played to his strengths and they played to theirs. I mean, you know, I, I said this to you also during the game that uh, you know I, I think there was a play when uh, Azili I think jumped out to try to block LeBron shooting a three and like fouled him or something. Um, you should never contest LeBron James shooting a three. Le- LeBron James shooting a three is your best option as as a defender, and so and Steph Curry like, shooting a two is your best yeah, option. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. You should, you should and, play him way out. And it looked like LeBron finally understood that a little bit in the last few games of the series. He wasn't pulling up from three. He was. I mean, he did on occasion, and he did hit a few, but that's not his strength, and he wasn't doing it. I think from what you said, as far as his post game interview with how he changed. Um, it, he he absolutely did, and it's a sad day for LeBron haters because this this series was a hundred percent a turn of the page. I mean, you could always, as a you know, this is me speaking from experience. You could as a LeBron you, you hater, can, as a LeBron hater, you and to this day I'll say it. You could always point to his two titles with the Heat, and you could criticize, and you could find things wrong with it. You can say that I mean, and it's true that he had potentially three Hall of Famers on the court with him in the Heat. I mean, when Ray Allen was there for the second title, yeah, um, Ray Allen hits a ridiculous shot to help him win that series. You always had things you could point to with LeBron as a hater. If you're going to construct a hater argument, you could always point to this or that. If you're going to, Derek, it's. I mean, okay. In fairness, I'm not the only person. There's a lot of people that hate LeBron James. Um, this this is a tough one for them because there's not really much you can say. I mean, he took over this series. He he cemented exactly what he said he was going to do coming back to Cleveland. It's it's tough. I, I mean, this is this is what I didn't want to happen, but and it happened th- so he, he hard. It. I will say I will say that his block was goaltending. Um, one hundred percent was goaltending. Definitely not goaltending. Um, looked up the rule because we talked about it during the game. You you cannot. I know. I uh, saw your tweet. Pin the ball. It's um, just sour grapes. Is what it is. So, well, it was goaltending. Um, I mean, it's not. So it should have been a two. It should have been a two point game at the end of the game, um, which may or, probably wouldn't have changed things. The Warriors. What we saw with this Warriors team was a team that got incredibly nervous. Th- this team crapped themselves. They did, and and we haven't seen them. Cho- they didn't score. You hear that stat? They didn't score in the final in four minutes four, of the game. Was it four minutes? Yeah. I, I know it felt like it was eighty nine. They were sitting on for a while. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, you just said that. I think they went up eighty nine, eighty four. I think they were up by five, and we were joking that this game was over because it looked like they were about to start a run. Yeah. And it's like if we were we were literally sitting here saying if these war if the Warriors go on a warrior run for just two minutes, they're going to win the game. I mean, yeah. it's over. If, if, if Steph Curry go, hits one of if his... they go hit two threes, that's 5, it. 5,000 threes yeah. this season. Yeah, because yeah. they were already up by five, and they had just expanded the lead a little bit. So we saw a team that maybe they hadn't been tested like that before. I mean, I'm trying to recall now last year, you know, when Cleveland pushed them to six, but did they really push them to six? Like, I don't remember how much Golden State was tested in that series. They, they won it in six. Maybe they haven't had that pressure-packed situation. I mean, I guess they did in Game 7 against the Thunder, but when they were faced with it in this series, they collapsed. And they collapsed in a way that was not just like missing shots. I mean, we watched it. It was ugly basketball. It was was bad basketball. It was was not the basketball that you watched the Warriors play all season. And so, you know, they crumbled. There's no other way to put it from their perspective, um, from what their expectations should have been. But, you know, 
when push comes to shove, LeBron James took the series over. You got to give credit to Kyrie Irving. He was phenomenal as yep. well. Um, and Kevin Love was not, but in Game Seven he was. Exactly Kevin Love what they was needed. the Kevin Love that of he used to be. In yeah. Game Seven. Yeah. And like he's been sitting at the three point line because they play. They used to play at least before this final series a clear out offense. Oh God! For, like they everyone, broke Warriors everyone, records. Everyone, for threes. everyone move out of the way so that LeBron or Kyrie Irving can. Yeah, they, either they, truck down the middle or squeeze down the middle. They, they broke um, the Warriors' records for threes in a game earlier in this playoffs. Yeah, which is not it's not the team we saw in the finals at all. Yeah, so and and Kevin Love is a offensive rebound, yeah. dive on the ground, like space the floor in and out, and he couldn't do that. And today, like that or yesterday, he just was like not even grabbing rebounds, but like knocking them out of people's yeah, hands, like yeah. just a ball hawk. Which is super yeah. helpful for the Cavs. With him playing like that with Tristan Thompson in the front court, it was exactly what they needed to pair with then LeBron on the wing and Kyrie and J.R. Smith. I mean that that's the that's what the Cavs drew up that lineup to be like, and it it felt like it didn't come to fruition all season until Game Seven for them. So, um, are you still a LeBron hater? I still, I mean, yeah, I still hate LeBron, but I there's the you, there's no choice but to to give. I mean, he does he earned this championship. He he deserved it. He earned it. Um, I will say, like I just referenced, for me, I know there will be a lot of overreaction to this, uh, to the championship. For me, this is this. You can now have a conversation of LeBron and Jordan. I think I think this was the starting point for me. Um, I know that that's a biased take. He might be closer than I give him credit for, but I again, I don't give him a whole ton of credit for the for for the Heat championships. I don't give him that much. I'm going to be honest. Um, I think people underestimate how much Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Ray Allen contributed to those championships. Um, but this one was undeniable. There's there's no nothing you can take away from this one. I think if he repeats this performance, particularly maybe once or twice more, then he's absolutely, you know, he's right there with Michael Jordan. But I think it's too. I personally think it's too early to, to put him in Jordan's class yet. Um, but this was step one. He, he's definitely in the conversation now. I don't know what you guys think, but I think. LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> so, uh, so anything else on the finals? Um, honestly, not much. I mean, the game itself was was good. It ended um, on a very stressful note. That and Game yeah. of Thrones together made oh, my God. Sunday night extremely high stress. Yeah, too um, high stress. But excellent game. The NBA couldn't have written a better oh. story. Yeah, like the, this is this is exactly what they wanted. Um, which I don't love. I don't love that the NBA gets what they want all the time. It's true, but the NBA, and, and I had said this before, how this series as a whole was a win-win for the NBA. I mean, this is fine for the NBA if the Warriors won that game too at the end of this game. But now, now yeah. they're they're talking about the '96 Bulls. They're talking about you know Steph Curry and all these guys. They're talking about LeBron being losing again. You know, the, like the ESPN had a win-win entirely. Well, out the of thing, situation. the one thing I'll say about this, and you won't agree with me, but I think this brings LeBron back. Like LeBron is back in the public oh, eye he is. as he is. yeah. as a lovable figure. I, I cuz like after I didn't like him after the decision. I I, I agree with you. And and after you see him go to Miami, win a few, kind of mich- and I I hate to use this cuz like everyone matures at the same rate or whatever. Yeah. Um but he matured as a basketball player, wasn't out in the media too much, wasn't doing like kind of just like laid low Won some I, I totally championships after like saying not one, not two, not three. Like I totally that, that agree was with LeBron you. like needing some ego. Now he's he's got he's all set, and I think Steph Curry is kind of the new LeBron in that like he dances after shots. And so I don't agree with that. I think so. <laughs> that's one of the myths I can't figure out. I haven't seen Steph Curry dance once. After he shim- hitting a three. he shimmies every single time. He, he's a three. he doesn't shimmy. Uh, so I'll, that, that's I'll pull the thing. Up a video that, right okay, now. we'll we'll find yeah. some. So. Steph turns and puts his head down and like does the little. He crosses, you know, he, he makes the sign of the cross and then he points up to God. Mm-hmm. He does it every shot. It feels like I, I haven't seen him dance once, so I'll be impressed if you can find a video of him dancing. Um, that's one of those myths. But I will say that I agree in the public perception of LeBron. I actually started. To, I completely agree that after LeBron's first year in Miami, he lost in the finals. Uh, I think it was to the Spurs. No, to the Mavericks. I forget which. It was. I forget if it was Spurs or Dallas, but. He lost his first year against the Heat, and he did mature after that. You know, when he won his title, I had a similar feeling to this title, his first one, in that he I couldn't find reasons to hate him for it because he stopped being kind of that pompous, arrogant prick and kind of in the media, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, he 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 downgraded from that since then. Um, some of his uh, actions and things like that made me hate him again. So I will say that as a whole, for for an impartial fan, you're definitely right. That this series has raised him back to being more lovable, and more importantly, from a not as much of a lovable sense. But I was saying this to one of my other friends. Uh, Steph Curry, people thought going into these playoffs, and even as of just a couple weeks ago, that Steph Curry had supplanted LeBron James as the face of the NBA. And that's the biggest thing that was completely just crumbled up and thrown out the window. Yeah. I, I mean, you watch these two guys go at it against each other. Especially the way Curry played. Like, it's just, he, he doesn't... It wasn't like two powerhouses going at it and then like y- like high five, yeah. like, wow, respect, what a game. It was LeBron James being like, I'm yeah, the best player. Yeah, you saw that Steph NBA. Curry is not that type of player. I, yeah. I mean, he so... You know, it, it was one of those that it was very easy to see his dominance during the season and last season, and you can't take any of that away. But I think it's people started to forget just how powerful of a player by himself LeBron James is, where Steph might not be that powerful of a player by himself. Um, maybe in the right situation, he is more valuable and more effective than LeBron, but certainly not in their respective situations in this series. So um, that's the biggest thing, I, I think, for me, is that face of the NBA argument. It looked like it was Steph Curry who was supplanting LeBron, and that's yeah. certainly not the case uh, as of yet, anyway. So, any final thoughts for the finals? I think that's it. Um, I'm now we have about three or four months of baseball to watch, <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's football season again. Of so, course, go Bucks! Go Bucks! So uh, that brings us to the third quarter, where we have some trivia for you. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to read the first clue or the second clue? Or? I'll I'll kick it off. All right, kick um, it off. So everyone knows the rules of trivia. Uh, we'll ask. Five, there's five clues um, in order of uh, hardest to easiest. You should probably know this person by the fifth clue. Um, feel free to pause in between clues if you want some time to think. Um, so, first clue. This person was born August 26th, 1985. They are 30 years old, and they were born in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 30 years old. All right, number two. After turning professional, this established or this athlete established Project One Four. The charity supports programs and organizations that provide opportunities for young people to learn life skills in a safe and supportive environment. All right, clue number three. Though this person was drafted by the New York Yankees out of high school, he did not sign. Instead, he chose to attend Vanderbilt University on an academic scholarship. All right, academic scholarship. Clue number four. This person's competitiveness once got him into a contest with a teammate to see who could fit the most gum in their mouth. They agreed to quit at 25 pieces. I thought I was going to throw up, his teammate said, and I almost choked. It was terrible, said this athlete. Um, So that kind of speaks to this person's personality, a very fun-loving person. Um, all right, clue number five. This one is probably the easiest. He is currently a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. He has a semi-celebrity dog named Astro, and at his current salary, he earns an average of $9,000 per pitch. <laughs> $9,000 per pitch. And the answer is David Price. David Price. Who made about $300 since we started that trivia. The, at least. <laughs> Um, I do love David Price. He was a Ray for a long time. Um, glad to see he's kind of gotten back on track. He's uh, pitching like an ace again, or at least yeah, finally. like a semi-ace. Um, very like awesome locker room guy. I know that gets thrown around a lot, but he really is. He he um, helps young pitchers uh, mature. He uh, if if he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's very humble and and he's interactive with the fans. So like he, he's the perfect pitcher in terms of what you want in an ace and what you want in like a locker room clubhouse fan yep. guy. Yeah, absolutely. So he's uh, but now he's a Red Sox. He's a Red Sox now, but Ugh. he's he's turning it around. He had a tough start to the year, but um, he has been pitching extremely well lately. So hopefully that continues. Uh, he is like you like you said, very interactive with the fans and everything else. So uh, that wraps up the third quarter. David Price, the trivia answer, and brings us to the fourth, which is Game of Thrones, which was. The other most stressful thing that happened on Sunday night, I'm not sure which was more stressful. They were actually very close. I didn't expect them to be very close, but they were. (laughs) I had, like, we can, uh, obviously spoilers, there's spoilers coming, but there were parts during that episode where I, like, 
I kind of had to stand up. <laughs> like sitting still was not yeah. working. It yeah. was like I could feel my heartbeat. I could feel my blood pressure rising. It Plus was, the game below. We had the game. Oh, on we had the, the game on too. It. Oh, it was that, was that was that was difficult. Um, so to describe Game of Thrones in one uh, word, it would be stressful. Yeah. Um, but a good stressful. Yeah, very yeah. good stressful. So uh, this was the very much hyped bastard bowl that we were looking forward to. Uh, Ramsey Bolton and Jon Snow. It was not so much of a yeah. Bowl, it wasn't. It wasn't. But um, but still, we'll we'll count it. We'll yeah, count it. Yeah. So so I guess first before we get let, let's just let's touch on any other storylines we want to before we get to the to the big the big guns of that episode. So is there anything else? They didn't touch on a lot. Um, Daenerys had Daenerys, the dragons. She had the dragon. Um, oh, that's right. That, that, was, that was, was a pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty big scene. That's pretty big scene. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over Daenerys. I'm I'm over her like doing the thing where she waits with like a, a pensive look or like a passive aggressive look and then like just listens to someone talk and then she says I'm going to <laughs> kill them. I'm going to destroy their cities. I'm going to do this because I am the mother of dragons and I deserve all of this all the time. Like we get it. Like you're yeah. you're a very powerful woman character. You're the queen of marine. You're the mother of dragons, but like just stop telling us yeah, all so, that all the time. So so right after all that happened, we were watching Game of Thrones with our roommate Doug, uh who who doesn't really follow Game of Thrones that closely. Um <laughs> And so she, so Daenerys hops on the dragon and flies over to start burning all these ships up. Um, and, you know, Doug asks us, he says, why did the dragons obey her? And we're like, well, because she's the mother of dragons. Yeah. And he's like, well, like, why is she the mother of dragons? Like, did she, did, like, did she give birth to the dragons? <laughs> and we're all just like, well, she just, she just is. Like, yeah, she's she the mother of dragons. has them. And so that kind of brought me back to reality a little bit. Like, okay, like, we, we could get this moving a little bit. Yeah. Like, she kind of just falls back on that every time. So. Um, so yeah, but that was a pretty baller scene when yeah. the dragons and, burned all those and ships. And they also, um, made a, a sort of pact with, um, yeah, what's her name? Right. Osha, Asha, um, Theon Greyjoy's yeah. sister. Yeah. Um, who's, who's looking to be queen of something. the Iron Islands yeah. or something like that. Um, very good yeah. scene. I, I yeah, like, good scene. Good I like her as a character. I like, I like the scenes in Game of Thrones and, and they happen a lot when Tyrion's evolved and when, um, yep. uh, Who's the spider? What's his name? Oh, I don't remember his name. But anyway, yeah, the ball, the, the ball, ball guy. guy. Yeah, with Tyrion. Um, with Tyrion. It happens a lot when there's like good, witty conversation. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times, at least this season, I've seen it. There's been a lot of filler conversation, a lot of dull like. Tyrion's had a few with um with, with Grey Worm and um Missandei. Yeah, Missandei. Yeah. With just it, actually two very identical Cring- scenes, cringeworthy scenes. Like, like so so. The second one was like kind of I was laughing out loud, like, like when they started laughing. Um, no, no, no. When still with with Grey oh, Worm, with the, Grey Worm. I just oh. remembered the the bald guy's oh, name Varys. is Varys. Yeah, yeah, right, right. The spider. Um, the second awkward scene that Tyrion was with um, Grey Worm and uh, Missandei, uh when they were talking, telling the jokes. Tell a joke. Yeah. I was laughing out loud by the end of that scene, but it was very cringeworthy in the beginning, um, and undoubtedly it was a filler scene. I, yeah. I mean, the, they were telling jokes and then it led immediately to a crisis where like the jokes were no longer. So yeah. it's kind of, it was like a filler scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so obviously we have Daenerys in the beginning of the episode. I think that was, that was it really. Right. It was that we didn't touch on anything else. Uh, any other storylines that I, or at least any major ones I can think of. There I mean, was, the main storyline is obviously yeah. the best storyline. Yeah, the battle the for ba- Winterfell. The Bastard Bowl. So, uh, the course. Bastard Bowl. So we'll start with it being, I I liked that they met up with him. I liked that Jon Snow challenged him, and you're like, "That's dumb. He'll never do that." And he never and he doesn't. And then Jon Snow says, "Like I did that on purpose, so he would charge at us." Yeah. Um. And then the only thing I didn't like about this episode, and we'll get into the battle scene, but bef- right before the battle scene, they're talking about like how to do the battle and how to go about it, and they they finally finish on a plan. And Sansa comes up and says, like, you're doing it wrong. You just don't do what you're but doing. But I don't have the answer. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well, what should I do? She's like, I don't know, like, but don't do what he wants you to do. Yeah, don't do what he wants you to like, do. Okay, so we'll, like, I don't know, turn it, like, <laughs> light ourselves on fire. <laughs> like, what, you got to give me something here. What is What does he not want us to yeah. do? So, so yeah, so I, I agree, but I think the one thing that made that scene okay for me was 
that Jon Snow's reaction to Sansa was exactly what the audience's reaction was. Yeah. Like, so so that kind of made it okay for me, I guess, and that I felt like the purpose of the scene was kind of to highlight, I guess, Sansa's emotional connection to it, where she was just like kind yeah. of stir crazy over it because of Ramsay, obviously. Yeah. Um, because John's like literally, he Sansa's like, "Don't do what he wants you to do," and he goes, "That's great advice, thanks." <laughs> like, yeah, all right, I'll write like, it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, he's kind of being like kind of passive aggressive with her. Um, so, so I kind of that was the only reason I didn't mind that scene. But I, I agree, it was a little bit like felt a little too long. It was a little wasted. Like they're arguing about nothing, and neither of them are offering a solution, and they're just yeah. kind of like bickering. So okay, so now the actual fighting, Jon Snow, classic Jon Snow fashion, <laughs> has these big grand plans. Something goes wrong, doesn't care, does his own thing, whatever he yeah. wants. Like, he, he refused. I mean, obviously, his brother or half brother, Rickon, gets killed by an arrow pretty devastatingly. Also, yeah. rookie move not to run in zigzags. Yeah. Like, I know. What is he thinking? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, ran, like, he was going to get hit by the arrow. Everyone knew that. Like, yeah. that, that was pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, but. Not running zigzags, like you know, they're shooting arrows at you. You got. I don't do know. Something. You got to like stop, stutter. Uh, I don't know. Maybe adrenaline was getting to him or something. Yeah. But he ran real straight. But. Real straight. It's not a hard target. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I mean, so uh, that was obviously scintillating scene, and then John's kind of waiting. So a few times this episode, John has something go wrong, or like has something, you know, strike him emotionally. And he just kind of stands there, and he's like in the open. And Ramsey yeah. Ramsey had like ten chances to kill Jon Snow in this episode. It was also stressful because they were getting arrows shot, shot. all over yeah. them, and yeah. none of the major characters got hit with them. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been in a battle like that before, yeah. but I would assume that it, they hit a lot more people than they don't hit. Maybe. Right. right. I mean, like, what is it? Five or six volleys? Yeah. So that was, that was certainly would probably kill yeah. over half the people. Yeah. And that was that was certainly written for TV, um, I think, because on the other side of it, Ramsey's staying out of it, and like you kind of would expect the main guys to do what Ramsey did. Like Johnson yeah. generally wouldn't be literally in the middle of the battlefield, like fighting in a storm of arrows. Like it's yes. probably not the smartest move for your gen, like your your leader to be mm-hmm. in that situation. I, I know that's what Johnson does, but um, so anyway, suspending your disbelief. Um, the battle scene is amazing. That, the, I mean, the single shot battle scene. The, yeah, it. I, I didn't time it, and I, I should have looked it up how I, long. Yeah. It was probably about five minutes. R- really, it was that long. I'm yeah, I'm sure I, it was, yeah. or maybe it just felt that long. But yeah. it was intense. And single shots yeah. are some of the hardest things to do Extremely in all of filmmaking. For and, choreograph. Yeah. And, and I, we we started with this with um, True Detective, like yeah. a, a scene yeah. a scene like that catches your eye. Even I mean, it's pretty epic, but when you see it from like point of view and nonstop, it, it really, really, really like resonates. And I'm not sure why it, it is as a viewer, maybe because we don't see it very often that they don't have any cuts at all, but it, it was pretty intense. And Jon Snow yeah. was going berserk. Yeah. <laughs> he was going yeah. nuts. He was. Um, so I was, I was very happy about that scene. Yeah. The, the single, the, the, the no cut scenes are, are phenomenal. In fact, that you just reminded me of, uh, just a little plug. We talked about this movie a long time ago named Victoria. Oh, really? Victoria. Uh, it's, it's a one shot. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's a one shot and basically it's like filmed over, it's like supposed to represent a day. So like it's another movie like that. that Birdman was also like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so the, these things are very unique and extremely hard to do, which is, which is why when they're pulled off, it's, it's, and that was pulled off with, with a lot going on. That that was not a, a one shot, like, uh, sitcom, like conversational movie. Like this was a lot going on to a lot to choreograph. The one thing I'll say about that is this episode Way more than others seemed extremely CGI heavy. Yeah, it, like it, like notice because Game of Thrones is very down to earth. Like, I mean, it, as of recently, it's getting a bit more uh, fantastical, but it's like set in what you would consider old times. Reality, like, yeah. It, yeah, everything's pretty gruesome and realistic. Um, and then the this scene with the dragons, and then all the dragons breathing fire, mm-hmm. and then this crazy scene with like piles of bodies and and horses yeah. ramming into each other kind of jumped out of reality a bit like in terms of you you knew right. thing like right. you knew these were not actually happening right um and, and that's not really how game of thrones operates so that was my only 
um, negative thing is that you could, like, this was a very CGI heavy, yeah, heavy, heavy episode. Definitely. So uh, the other thing that I loved about the episode is that in kind of non-Game of Thrones fashion, uh, for this season anyway, uh, th- we had talked before about this season being now written for TV is sometimes a little predictable. Um, I'll say that it did still follow kind of what we had said as far as characters go and preserving the big characters for TV. It yeah. did go that way, but it didn't feel predictable at all to me. I, I honestly sus- expected one of the three main characters to die. Like yeah. when Tormund was getting punched in the face yeah. repeatedly, I was like, yeah. oh, I like him. Like now is yeah. where he dies. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and so uh, I had totally forgotten about Baelish, about uh, Sansa requesting the men. So that, yeah. I mean, that's, that was a, a start cheering out loud moment when you see them uh, marching in. And then uh, when Jon Snow is beating the tar out of Ramsay inside, yeah. of, inside of the castle once they have, have sieged it. Um, and classic, first, let me see, classic Jon Snow to, like, let Ramsay shoot arrows at him. Yeah. Rather than, like, have someone, like, hey, shoot him in the leg for me real yeah, quick. Yeah, so then I can go beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. Classic, yeah. Just walking towards him with a shield and, yeah. and coming very close. Like, this, the arrows are going through the shield, like, almost hitting him in the face. Yeah. Um, but so John's beating the crap out of Ramsey, and then he looks over at Sansa, who's looking at him, and Jon Snow kind of just kneels upright and just lets his guard down. And we know that Ramsey has like a knife and or a like, shank or something. This is where Jon Snow dies. And it was the mountain scene all over again, yeah. like we had said. It was like he thinks he's dead, and now he's about like that was like so. There was a few moments like that that were kind of the opposite, where it's like, do you think they I was do sure that, that he was about to do you die? Think they do that I think, scene because they know. I we, think they do. I, I think so too. I don't think it's like artistic. Like oh he looks at Sansa. No, like, I think that's. I a, think it's like we want you well, to. I think to it's st- both. I we want you to still think. Yeah. <laughs> Jon Snow is gonna die. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. I, I think that it's a little bit of that because obviously what she went through with Ramsay, but I think they a hundred percent know that that's what's going through the viewer's mind. Uh, they absolutely they know that that's what's going through their mind there because it happened twice. Like I said, for me when John went to try to save Rickon, and, and Rickon got the arrow through him, John is sitting there distraught over the fact that he just got shot and like fire one more arrow and Jon Snow's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, fire like one he's volley. Si- Jon Snow is yep. sitting there in an empty field, <laughs> not moving, crying yeah. with no one around him. Like to me, I was prepared for Jon to get shot right there, right next to Rickon. So there was a few times in this episode that were like that. So for me, it broke free from what we've been kind of criticizing earlier in the season with some of the predictability and some of the things like that. It is still writing for TV. The main character is still here. Yep. We, we got rid Which of the, I like. I'm we, happy. Yeah, we got rid of the character nobody liked, So even yeah. though it was a main one. So um, so it's all good, uh, and it's following the kind of the TV writing uh, mode that we were talking about, but overall yeah. outstanding also, for what we wanted. Like when the giant, like Jon Snow's like about to touch the giant, and the yeah. giant gets shot in the eye, like, Shoot John. Shoot John. Like, like the sh- mountain, the, the giant's dead. The like, giant's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Ramsey could have put an arrow right through John. Yeah. Like that was. The, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's all very TV now. You're right. I forgot about that one. That was yeah. the third one because even so, even after he got shot in the eye, again, John doesn't turn and look where the arrow came from. He turns and he's like consoling the giant. Yeah, like, like, oh no. Oh, I wonder where that arrow came from. I guess I'll check that out later. Um, so it's like it was the third time where it was like John Snow could die right so now. So we do have to address the one thing, which is the trample scene. Where yeah. Jon Snow's getting trampled and he's yeah. like weirdly taking deep breath. Like yeah. you start to hyperventilate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was one of the scenes where and, and great job by the writers or the director to really actually put you in a stressful situation. Yeah, like because that's. I mean, you could see like Jon Snow dying like that, and you're like, "Oh gosh, yeah." Like, is this what happened? Like, it's yeah. It you're like, like, "This is so Game of Thrones yeah. for him to just get like suffocated in mud, yeah. guts." Like, yeah, ugh, yeah. Brutal. And and the the camera with the, all the camera work was very stressful too. Like, yeah. it was showing his face and like only in flashes. Like, like bodies were flying across the camera lens, and like you'd see Jon Snow's face for a second, and then it would be like covered again, and it was like very lots of light dark. Uh, transitioning on the screen that was like very stressful it was not good yeah I mean it it was it was not good but it was phenomenally good in in the way that it was you know gripping Um, so so what do you give it Steve Nicholas Avocados Steve Nicholas Avocados this episode a lot I mean I love the Game of Thrones like I love the big battle scenes but for me the episodes that that do it are like the either the surprise deaths or the um, like the Hodor type stuff, like the stuff that really throws you off. So, mm-hmm. 
these are these episodes are awesome and and show so much about like how how the writers and all, like everyone works together to create an entire battle scene and, mm-hmm. and this whole storyline just in one episode um but compared to the other episodes i would give this 85 percent 85 85 steven nicholas avocados huh that's pretty low for for what i was expecting for, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i mean i love these episodes yeah. but the the like same similar yeah, to yeah, yeah. season two the battle of black water like it's unbelievably done but it's like doesn't advance like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of I, I i like the political stuff in game of thrones right. i like the the um the backstabbing the the crazy deaths the the plots and this was just pure carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, well done, carnage, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I respect that. Um, so for me, this is this is like like you. I love these, but this is the number one type of episode for me of Game of Thrones. So I, for me, this episode was like a ninety six. Wow! It's, I mean, it's certified. Oh, very yeah, very certified. Certified Pattaya Colada. It's uh, <laughs> those are Derek, Derek Dragon Fruits, by the way. Yeah, uh, ninety six. Yeah, th- I give it a ninety six. This was this was top like you know, three or four episodes for me of the whole series. Um, and so, you know, have it leaving a little room, 97, 98, 99, a hundred, I guess if you can give a hundred, um, leaving some room for improvement, but, uh, this was right there for me. 96. I'll give it. So that's it. Game Superb. of Thrones. Any Game final of Thrones, thoughts? I don't know if I have any final thoughts. My, the, I don't know what they're going to do the final episode and what we're going to do without Game of Thrones. Yeah. So my only other thought actually, because Game of Thrones is coming to an end, George R. R. Martin's going to come out with, Mm-hmm. The final books, yeah. or at least one book, um, I guess uh, people assume soon. Like, but for him, that could mean a year or two. But it's going to come out, um, and when it does, are what are like what's the reception of the book going to be? Do you think? Because yeah. he's never released a book with the, the show being the out. show being out. I don't believe. Right. So, because uh, I've read, I've I've watched a few seasons and then read the first. I watched the first two and then read the first two books, and it was great. But I don't think it's going to be the same. It won't I, be. I don't think. Because now I think they've already veered. Yeah, right? I think they veered, and they've probably veered pretty hard. Yeah. Um. And and this season, especially, is definitely more TV driven. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think the release of the book will get what. I I almost don't think it'll be that affected by the TV show. I I think it's a late enough book that a pretty big percentage of the audience does it can't just go buy it and read it i mean they're not there in the series yet you know you, even if you've watched the series you can't just go pick up the sixth book or the seventh or whatever book it is and just understand everything because the yeah. books are much more complex so i think it's going to be pretty much like what it would be if the show was not as popular as it is i, I think the people who read the books are all going to go get it and read it but i think um the expectations need to be kind of tempered a little bit because i i think you're right it's not going to be in line with the with the show anymore because we've talked about how it's kind of veered and been yeah. written for tv cool so all right ends the fourth quarter and brings us to the final drive that's you it kick it off or close it out um i'll close it out close it out all right so i will kick it off uh with a hot new artist that i'm gonna uh, tell you about his song is playing underneath uh this final drive uh, this song is just as Another Day in Paradise by Quinn XCII. But uh, good, hot new artist. We found him recently. Uh, I'm into his stuff. He's kind of like a reggae-ish type of rap, uh, I guess. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's pretty chill. Chill vibes, good for the summer. Um, so I'm going to let this one play underneath, and Steve can do his final drive. But mine's just pretty much a quick shout-out uh, for Quinn XCII. Uh, I don't know if I'm even saying it right. He probably has a number he's supposed to say with the Roman numeral. But <laughs> either way, Quinn, uh, I'm all in on him for the summer. Cool. Um, so that's the song playing underneath. Uh, my final drive is Cleveland Rocks. Um, you remember that song? Cleveland Rocks. Yeah. Cleveland Rocks. And they do. Um, Cleveland really, really deserved a championship. I kind of wish it was with the Browns, not yeah. not the Indians, definitely. And, def- and maybe the Cavs with LeBron is, is a good one, but... Um, I think the Browns are the next, the next team that, if they win, people they're going to be definitely lovable losers. Like everyone yeah. kind of roots for. Um, I mean, if Johnny Manziel ever gets his act together, <laughs> which he will not, I don't think he's <laughs> yeah. even a Brown anymore. Um, but they've had some tough times, so Cleveland really, really deserves this. Um, a basketball title with LeBron James is about as good as you can get. Um, they're going nuts. They went oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, they shut down. They had to shut down all entrances into downtown because so many people were coming in for Game Seven. 
um, and the place just went nuts. So congrats to Cleveland. I have no connections to Cleveland. I have no ties, um, and I've heard really terrible things about the city, but I'm happy uh, for them. It's always nice to see a mid-market, low-market team in a city win a championship. 52 years. Go Rays. <laughs> Go Magic. <laughs> So that wraps up episode 26 of You Heard It Here Second. Thank you again to Kerry Shields uh, for joining us in the first quarter. And thank you to YOLO Life uh, for sponsoring episode. this episode. So uh, that's it for 26. And we'll see you guys next week for episode 27. Later days.